Coffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. My name is James, joined as always by my co-host, Alex. Hello, hello. And regular recurring guest, Ryan Williams. Pleasure to be here, gentlemen, as usual. It better Special be. Date. <laughs> Darn right. It's really a pleasure. Is that better? I like that, the enthusiasm. That's the enthusiasm we were looking for. All right, James, carry on. Sorry about that. Yep. Yep. No worries. We are here today after the conclusion of the 1920 season to talk about the squad assessment. We're going to do a thorough review, both on a macro and micro level. Ryan put together a absolute tome of stats, references, all kinds of good material. We're going to take you guys through it. Ryan's going to steer the conversation. So Ryan, kick us off. Sure. Um, so first to start, uh, like a slight assumption here, and people have seen that we've been putting out the summary of the current Everton summer window. So I, I think together we've dropped salaries, I think about to about three, 13 million pounds a year. That's only matters because when we start talking about this stuff, we're doing this kind of in lieu of the targets and whatnot. But it should be obvious that we have big wages right now. So we're going to have to jettison some of these people. So um, what we're going to do first is let's just talk about the squad itself and its performance. Um, and I, I think it's probably good to talk about it relative to what our expectations are coming into the year. So me personally, um, I would probably be thrilled to seven if, seventh if it got us Europe. But I, I think realistically, I know things didn't go so okie-dokie this year. Um, I, I think we need to shoot for sixth. So uh, first of all, I'm going to throw that out to you guys. I mean, is that reasonable? Is that realistic? We're looking at an average point total of the last five years. 64 points gets you sixth. Thoughts? It's going to be a stretch. It's going to I fully believe that we're capable of it. But you look at the level of competition in the Premier League and the clubs that are spending money, clubs that have outperformed us. It will be difficult. However, as an eternally optimistic Evertonian. I, I do think we need to shoot for six, and I think it's reachable. I think if we bring in the right type of players, we do have a, a relatively solid foundation to build on. It's going to be some some serious work from Marcel and Carlo in the recruiting department, and we'll talk about the actual squad, what pieces we need to keep as we go through the episode. But I don't think six is unrealistic. I think that's the 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 minimum that we need to at least aspire to. I agree. Sixth place, I mean, listen... It's been a rough five solid years in terms of of table placement and finishes specifically the ups and downs with the managers, the ups and downs with the players. I mean, we just saw Leighton Baines retire and now our longest serving player of the club is who like Matthew Pennington or, or someone ri- ridiculously obscure in terms of the first team picture currently. So I think sixth is fair, given the fact that we have Carlo Ancelotti as our manager and legitimately i mean a lot of the a lot of the talent is there we just need to have a very successful window to plug the gaps in my opinion it's possible and i think yeah. we should all want it and i it's think fair it's possible watch. i think it's possible i think we got to consider the significant injuries and moves i mean like moving morgan schneiderland didn't help our short-term performance for example <laughs> ironically right well think about it i mean so uh, most sources i've seen expected points for us uh, people hate it whatever uh, puts us around 53 points. So if the average point total last six, you know, last five years is 64, it's 11 points. Um, that's not impossible, even with some limitations. So, okay. 
that's fair. We think we're shooting for six tier then. So that, but that's a certain standard that we got to think about because when we're looking at players, are these guys going to be part of a team that can finish six? So, so also speaking of that, then you're looking at really the average sixth rank. And I know it doesn't exactly work out that way. I'm just using this for means of comparison. The average goals for for the sixth rank team the last five years was 62.2 goals against 42.2. So, you know, so let's start into the attack. If we're doing the macro level squad analysis here, there you go. So our expected goals was about 49.8. That would put us about seventh. Again, we're shooting for 62.2. It's pretty high. We scored 44, which was 11th. So that's not real great. I think we acknowledge. But why? I mean, that's the real question. So if we're looking at how the squad performed this year, the first thing I think about, can that be just due to shooting? Gentlemen. Alex, you go first. What do you thought? I mean, do we finish well this year? And if not, who do we think are the real culprits there? The answer is no. I think the real culprits, I mean, that's going to be a consistent is- answer across the board. But <laughs> right. did we, how did um, we do? Not well. No, that sounded like a yes or no <laughs> question. But uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Dominic, I think very clearly, in my opinion, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is probably um, one of the one of the main culprits generally speaking only because he's playing up top the most consistently and we know that his finishing is not the best he scuffs a lot of chances so dominic calverloon for me i think what do you what do you think james i don't know i mean obviously richarlison's our best finisher i would say but beyond that i think theo walcott is one that doesn't get a lot of chances but when he does he seems to scuff them all the time uh alex will be i just i just don't think we got enough from our midfield and wide players on the offensive end. So I think in general, like the strikers were getting chances and they obviously ended up with the most goals, but you'll get a player like Gilfie Sigurdsson who scored was our tied for our leading scorer, our leading scorer last season. And this season couldn't find the back of the net to save his life. You guys are pretty accurate. So um, I think that the difference between like non-penalty, not that we had any penalties this year, but non-penalties uh, expected goals versus regular goals is it's negative eight. So we're 18th in the league. And some of that's just unlucky, frankly. It doesn't mean we can't finish because, you know, who's the worst? Keen, Moise Keen and Sigurdsson. Now, Moise Keen's kind of shocking considering how few minutes he had. And also, let me tell you what, that boy can finish. Uh, last year at Juventus, he was unbelievable finishing. Historically, he's been fine. So I, I'm not too concerned about him. Sigurdsson, <laughs> we'll talk about if he should even be here next year. That's a little unlucky, too. He's a decent shooter. Holgate was actually negative 2.3, which is just strange. Luca Dean, too. Remember, Luca Dean put in some goals last year and didn't do it this year. Yeah, Dom was a little bit off, but Richarlison playing forward most time made up for it. So, yeah, it's a lot of midfielders like Tom Davies missed a couple chances. Walcott, you know, that's it. So my, my general system is that finishing is unless you truly have Lionel Messi in there. There are some guys that can finish above kind of what they're expected to, but it's not all that common. So I think we're a little bit unlucky there. But so if we're a little unlucky, that's eight goals right there to make up from an expected goals. of You know what I mean? So anyway, that's a thought. Yeah. So I think you guys nailed it. So let's move on to just general passing ability because Ryan, real quick, yes. I, I wanted to make a point about Keen, right? Because Go for it. those stats were per 90, right? So they're measured based on the amount of time he played. Essentially, the right? Ne- it would scale it. The negative, the negative 2.4 is collectively over the season. So think about that. So he literally is the biggest culprit if we looked at difference between what you should have scored and what you did score. So we're, mm. we're talking like he, he was like a negative 0.25 P90. So that, that's, I'm saying that is luck. I'm sorry. It just is. You know, we, we've seen him. I think Sigurdsson's luck too. Those guys can finish. 
Right. That makes sense. To clarify. To clarify. Uh, yeah, you. I mean, across the board, there's, it's pretty unlucky. I mean, I, I think that's, that's what I write that off to. But it, you start to think about it. So if we're looking at squad that way and we're a little unlucky finishing and we're really not that bad a finishing team is, especially at center forward, is that the issue or is the issue we just can't get on the ball? So let's talk about that. Cause I think, I think the bigger problems in the squad, I think we all know it's a midfield, but what really, how does that manifest itself? You know, so like passing, for example, we've seen some games this year, in my opinion, where you just can't believe it. You know what I mean? It's like, how are you missing passes? So generally, what do you think those numbers would look like? James, let's start with you. Just passing the ball. <laughs> Fundamental concept of this game, right? Just the general link up play of our midfield throughout the entire season. And again, we talk about the injuries. We were pretty short staffed, but that combination of Tom Davies and Andre Gomez in midfield and Gilfie Sigurdsson, even there were the memes going around where he was basically invisible, like the inability to do the very basic passing in the midfield to link up and stitch together. The entire team was absent for the entire year. I'd love to hear the the specific numbers behind it, but just as an eye test, I think ever every Evertonian would tell you that we cannot pass the ball effectively at all. Yeah. So, Alex, you you tell me then if I if I had to tell you what our numbers were, what do you think our completion percentage is? And even more important, how often do you think our guys were under pressure in making passes? That definitely contributes to the completion percentage. Go. Yeah, that's fair. Um. Okay. So so pass completion. In my mind, as, as maybe this is stupid, I kind of judge teams based on based on the benchmark of eighty percent. If that makes sure. sense, sure. Um, I would say I, I would say Everton is probably under eighty percent. Looking at because we even talked about some of these pass completion percentages uh, for the midfielders in in, in the last couple uh, episodes following matches and like seeing Tom Davies in the central midfield with like 60%, that does not make me feel good about it. And, and, you know, past uh, beyond completion percentage, I mean, under pressure, right? I think we saw a lot during the restart that teams were, were pressure pressing us high up the pitch and our ability to play out of the back was, or inability, let me say was kind of highlighted. And then the fact that our midfielders couldn't seemingly pass forward so i think we were under pressure a decent amount do we pass well under pressure probably not yeah so so we weren't before the break for sure um but i think part of it it is so so i I think your point does play out correctly now what the numbers really say is slightly different so our completion percentage is 11th at 77 percent, which isn't good because we actually weren't as a team under pressure that often but again passes under pressure is something different that means some player is not afraid to deal with pressure, hold them off, and make a play in theory. That's what it does, right? We're 16th in passes under pressure. So let's talk about that for a second. How on earth can you have the 11th completion percentage and be rarely under pressure when making passes? That is just horrible. That That is really it, I mean, to me. And if you think about our midfield, who is anyone in there? And the funny part is the guys that normally, you know, lead the league in passes under pressure, like, for example, Hoiberg's like eight. This is that's an aggregate total. Decorey is 15. They're normally midfielders because they're the ones that are literally under pressure more of the time. They're in the middle. Not our guys. Nope. Not at all. You know who the best are on our team? Mina and Delph. Yes. Think about that. I mean, that's Those are the, bad. They're the only two guys that really faced any high pressure. And again, Delph, I'm talking about as a P90 standpoint. Dean did too. They're the only guys that actually had high completion percentages while under high pressure. Mina in particular. Uh, so look, we 
we were okay, like sixth in progressive distance, sixth in progressive passes. So there's some of it going on, but God, we cannot make a pass to save our lives, save our life. And, and like, there's certain people that are just black holes, like Theo Walcott, for example. Oh my goodness. Not under tremendous pressure. Sigurdsson too, not really under a ton of pressure and not good with the ball, even worse receiving it. We'll get to that. So, so, okay. We, we need to have a team that has some better plus, pre, you know, better passers, players that can make a pass under pressure so we can get into more dangerous areas. I mean, I think that's very obvious. And what's also related to that is possession. Let's talk about that gentlemen, because I have always maintained for years. One of our biggest problems is that we just don't control the ball too much. We give it up too often when we're not under pressure, which is so fundamental, you know, the team, the good teams don't do that at all. So if you had a guess, we already know kind of, so what do you think our possession number would be relative to the league? And on top of that, possession means nothing unless you're getting it in a truck, you know, dangerous areas. Do we think we're really getting the ball into dangerous areas very often? And where are we playing with, you know, where are we possessing the ball and how well do we retain it? So how well we possess the ball, how well do we take care of it? Do we give it up a lot? And kind of where on the pitch are we doing it? I, I think those are interesting things. Alex, let's start with you. How are we as a possession-based team? I think we're I, I think we're mediocre. We see us possessing the ball, I think, against most teams that we would expect, especially at home. But then I think we really start to see a pretty big gap against a lot of the uh, quote-unquote big six teams. And so I'd say it's probably pretty pretty mediocre. But I think we we balance ourselves out decently in that regard it's not where it's not where it needs to be if we want to progress the way we want to for next season as as we discussed earlier in the show in terms of where we hold possession if i had to guess i would say the majority of our possession is probably somewhere around the line that separates our defensive third and our midfield third if i'm going to be quite honest in our own end is basically kind of it. Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah. I, I'm not going to, you know, it's not pinned back. I don't, I don't want to highlight the center backs um, in, in that sense, but, but I think it's very much around that area in which our fullbacks are sitting a little high and we have our central midfielders sitting in a little deep and that's about where the ball stays. Uh, and in, in terms of, in terms of ball retention, right? So like the player receiving the ball, I think yep. that's also pretty poor. And, and that definitely does highlight like pos- possession. That's something I personally really like about Alex Awobi. I feel like he's one of the players that offers better ball retention on the wings than some of the others in the team. Yeah. James, what do you think? Possession, control, where on the pitch? Do we give it up too much? How do we receive balls? Possession, go. Yeah. For me, Agree with Alex where there were games we dominated possession and it's against the teams that love to concede possession to the opposition. And even when we were able to dominate possession, it was mostly our center backs and midfielders dropping deep to receive the ball, turning, trying to move the ball side to side and really struggling to to make incisive passes to break down the defense. So even in the games we dominated, I don't think we were particularly good at, at progressing. And then as far as Getting balls in dangerous areas, I think that was like one of our biggest challenges as a team. We saw so often Sigurdsson receiving the ball in midfield, Tom Davies receiving the ball in midfield, back to goal, passing it back and forth with our center backs and and in just an overall inability to to really cut open defenses through the center of the pitch. And so most of our success seemed to come down the wings. And even in the games where we didn't have a lot of possession, we tended to resort to really fast buildup and long balls to break down opposition. So I would suspect that the numbers support something along those lines. 
Yeah, they're not so pretty. You're, you make a really good point. Possession without kind of penetration or without creation is is kind of irrelevant, right? Who cares? Possession in and of itself is not necessarily critical. Um, however, the numbers in particular are damning. Uh, <laughs> our possession was 11th in the league, 49.2%. Um, in terms of where we got it, we're ninth in touches in the attacking penalty area, but to Alex's impression, which I think is very accurate, a lot of our possession happened in our own end. Think about this. We were sixth in the league in touches in our own penalty area, and we didn't have many touches as a team anyway. That, to me, is damning. Too often, we just couldn't get it out of our own end, and yeah, we'd kick the ball around a lot, whoopty ding dong but it didn't accomplish anything, you know? Um, and so, you know, we... we and then, then the biggest thing is to, so we're 11th in receiving percentage. That's actually a number. Um, that's a little more complicated to stat in terms of what it is, but we were, this is the one that just drives me crazy. We already talked about, we're not making a lot of passes under pressure. We weren't under pressure a lot anyway. Um, how can we be 17th in the league in miscontrolled touches with an 11th possession and very rarely under pressure? 15th in dispossessed. That's fine if you're going it, folks, but we weren't considering we already know we are 15th in dribbles. You know what I mean? Like that. It's we are a bad possession team flat out. The numbers were so much worse than I thought. And when you start looking into people like it's fine if you're going to give up the ball, if you're carrying a lot of a distance. But man, Davies and Gomez in particular, terrible at it. And your point on Awobi is a really good one, Alex, because if you look at his number and you say, eh, what's his receiving percentage? I think it's like 77.9%. Um, that's about what he did at Arsenal, but the difference was at Arsenal, he was getting the ball higher up in the pitch. That's a good number if you're getting in the attacking third. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's hard. Um, he got it too often in the midfield with us. And I think that's a problem at the same percentage. And Gilfie, let me tell you what. I mean, Gilfie to me, I think his is like, his is almost 84%. That sounds really good. And then you realize, no, he was playing in the central midfield half the time. And you see it. I mean, that that is where possession dies. When you have players that are statues and can't get open, at least a Wobie is moving and trying to accept the ball in dangerous areas. I mean, it's not good. Uh, the good part is that um, JPG is pretty good. Like, historically, he's always been good at kind of keeping possession. Um, and we do have some guys that will kind of take the ball forward a, be, a bit, at least in carrying it. Uh, Yeri Mina being really good at it. But, but so, okay, fine. We weren't so good at possession. What about in chances created? We already know we didn't dribble a lot. So how do we think we are in terms of scoring chances created as measured by, and I think the best measure here is shots created actions is the one where football reference and stats mom likes to harp on. So there's dead ball scenarios. There's live scenarios. There's created by dribble. Uh, there is fouls drawn that could lead to a goal. Um, so let's talk about shots. How do we think we are in dead ball situations versus live situations in terms of Shots created or scoring chances created. James. I think this is one of our weakest areas as a squad, creating chances from open play. Like we saw, especially once Carlo came in, we pretty we shored up pretty well defensively defending set pieces, which we'll touch on shortly, I'd imagine. But our offense on set pieces, we started scoring all the time, it seemed like. You know, we're so used to rarely ever scoring on set pieces, all of a sudden we're banging them in at a, a just unusual rate. But again, the live shot creation from open play really seemed to lag behind due to the things you mentioned just before this, our miscontrols, our inability to, you know, 
even we're, we're so low and pass under pressure. So to me, that just tells me that, that we're our own worst enemy where we're not under pressure. We're still losing the ball and we still can't create opportunities from open play. Alex. Yes. I, well, so a stat that a stat that we brought up on a previous episode and I think uh, stayed as the season ended. I know that we ended up first in goals scored on corners, which I do just want to want to say that that is one of the things that has flipped completely on its side over the last re- last couple of years, because set pieces were one of our biggest problems on both end of the pitch not so long ago. Uh, so with that, I would imagine our dead balls are better than than uh, live play scenarios. I think I think that it would be a pretty big difference. And I know that live, we are definitely mediocre. There's no you, question about it. And you are correct. So if we use just scoring chance to create a shot, second on dead balls, 13th live, 12th created via dribble, not surprise. Uh, second and created by shot attempts, which is bizarre. Like that's us getting rebounds, which is strange. 17th and fouls drawn that lead to a goal. So in the sad part is when you look at it too, it's all left side. So scoring chances created Bernard had the highest one per 90. I'm a little surprised about that at, at 2.82. That is interesting. Awobi's next at 2.32. But I will say this, like the reason why we got that guy is because he's really good at creating an open plane. His numbers last year at Arsenal were insane. Actually, the last two years were, I mean, like top 10 in the league across the board in kind of open play creation. His shots created actions from open play last two seasons 3.33, 3.3. Those are really good numbers. Uh, he does it off the dribble too. He has got to do better. So we've got to figure out a way to get him more involved. Luca Dean's numbers were receptible, respectable too. Um, and then you've got Tom Davies, who I, I thought created more. No Coleman, not much. Gilfy, his live numbers it, are the same as Dominic Calvert Lewin's 1.13 Yikes. shots created. One three, 1.13 shots created. Now you don't expect too many forwards to do it. And then, then you look at like shots created off the dribble. Dude, Moise Keen is 0.84 pre 90. It's that's, ins- that's an insane number. Bernard is actually 0.35. So he actually got a couple shots off, but still it's, it's, it's such an issue. You know, we just don't put pressure on defenses from open play. There's no question. Um, no question at all. Um, and, and so the last thing I talk about from an attack standpoint, we were good on dead balls. No question. We, we scored on them. I'm not including penalties because. We were 20th. And is that ridiculous? Yes. But if you're not dribbling the ball and you're not getting it into the box, it doesn't matter. So how would you guys say we are in terms of touches inside the penalty area in attack? Alex, what are your thoughts? Do you think we're high there, low, middle? What do you think? It feels low. And I'll tell you why it feels low. It feels low because, you know, the the example, the, the play that we we saw over the last month or so, I think would support the fact that we weren't able to build up very well at all, especially with the fact that we were playing with such a bare bones, um, unorthodox central midfield and seeing a couple of numbers based on touches. I think one game in particular with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Uh, so I, I would say they are, it see, it feels low for sure. And I think my thought process is based on our, our previous conversation about possession and where possession lies. Um, and we know you also said that our total touches as a team in general is 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 low as well. So I think it could it could make sense. So I want to break there you? for a second. Well, no, 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 because I want to examine what you just said. You just described our central midfield at the end of the year as 
bare bones and unorthodox. That is the nicest description of our central midfield <laughs> I have ever heard <laughs> since the break because you could have just filled it with an expletive laden tirade and it would have been probably that was awesome. Thank you. I appreciated that. But no, your point, your point is your point is though, all this is I hate to like I hate to break down things this way. And I want to hear what you say, James, too, because things are fluid. But the reason why I ended with getting it into the box, because ultimately, if we've determined that our finishing can be better. The best way to score goals is get the ball in the box and possession and all of these things. Scoring chances created is about what is about getting our best players into the box. James, do you think we were great at that this year? Poor middle. Honestly, I mean, I think just with the sheer number of crosses that we put into the box, we probably ended up pretty mediocre. But again, like our, our forwards point. are not. We're, we know we're not creating off the dribble. We know that we're miscontrolling very often. And you would imagine that that materializes even more so when you're in those tight areas when the defense is very compact. So I think, you know, maybe just the crosses bring us up a little bit, but as far as actually getting it in the box meaningfully with dangerous opportunities, I'd say we were pretty poor. Ninth in touches inside the box. So in terms of total, Richarlison was actually 11th. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is 27th in terms of aggregate on the year. And, and Richie can finish, which explains why he scored more goals. But yeah, we've got to get more people in there. I mean, I, come on, you know, that that's... It, it's about the service. It's about getting the ball. It's about, and the more you control the ball and, and the better you are at passing and getting it in there, the more goals you're going to score. It's that simple, really. I, I really don't think it's, it's why you would have someone like Alan Shearer declare that we need a striker because he doesn't think we score enough goals. That is just, you know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Think about yeah. it. It's a fluid game. If the, if the point, when you have the ball, the point is to get the ball in the net, you know? So the best way to do that is not lose it unnecessarily, be able to progress it up the field and have players that can do that and create chances for you guys that can score. So, yes, all those problems. I look at the possession stuff and the passing is the bigger issue. I mean, if you're not being put under pressure and you literally can't even hold the ball, that that's just it's inexcusable. To me, the key is getting the ball up. We need some more people that can create, too. But that is the key to transitioning from defense into attack. And not to mention, when we get in the defensive stats, to me, it's so important to have that because if you can also then play defense in the center of the pitch, you can attack on the wings. And, and unfortunately, when you look at that, too, in terms of creation and other things, we got nothing from the right side. Um, it's It was pretty dramatic, honestly. So, OK, break here. Let's talk about the defense real quick in general. So uh, our goals against this year, expected goals against was... 49.3. That's ninth. We conceded 56 goals. That's 13th. Ooh. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, that mm, would be not no. what we would call okie dokie. Um, and so our, um, the goals against that we're shooting for here, if we're going to go six, and again, I know that's just sixth rank. You can have better offense versus defense is 42.2. So for goals against expected is, is 49.3. Let, let's talk about why we conceded 56 goals and why was our expected goals even that high to begin with. Let's start with one of my favorite topics, goalkeeping. So, uh, first things first, StatsBomb kind of redid all their stats with goalkeeping and in the analytics community, people flipped out about it. It's like, if you wanted to know who the biggest dorks are in the soccer world, and I consider myself probably one of them, um, <laughs> that, that was like the ultimate trigger where you like changed one slight stat. Like every Chelsea fan that wanted to defend Kepa like jumped up. And anyway, so before I get into that, so I think common measure of, of goalkeeper performance 
we could talk about distribution a little bit, but really I want to talk about just saving a ball. So save percentage is kind of generic and, you know, it doesn't really take into account the quality of the shots, but what does is um, kind of expected goals against post shot versus your actual goals against on the year. So how do we think Jordan Pickford did England's number one in terms of just stopping shots at him and preventing goals? James lead us off. We're going to say it again. It won't be the last time. Poor, bad, not good. Say it. Jordan Pickford, he regret. It's just like he regressed. And we, and I touched on it on, I believe I was on the Toffee Blues the other day with Jerry. Just continues to like slip and regress. And there were so many savable balls hit at him this season that went in the back of the net. And it just became a, a massive issue for us. And, and at the end of, by the end of the season, and it, I guess a trend throughout the season was he was a liability and whether that's a result of just him having no pressure in the squad to, to really challenge him for that spot, but he needs someone to really push him to, cause we know what he's capable of. I think he still can be serviceable for us in the long term. We'll see. But in general, I would say he did not save very many chances that he probably should have realistically. Yes. So Pickford was not good this year. And just shot stopping alone, I feel like he just, he fumbled the ball so many times. It feels like in recent memory, I'd say it's definitely bad. How bad? I'm not sure. But I will say, I think a lot of people, myself included, might be surprised as to how bad it may be. It, I think also just in terms of general goalkeeping, one of my, I think my second or, or equal to most um, pay I, something I pay attention to the most about Pickford. My biggest gripe would be my other biggest gripe would be uh, the fact that he doesn't command his box. You know, like the ball flies into the six yard box from corners, and it feels like he never grabs it. And if he does, he might miss sometimes, or he fumbles the ball after he grabs it in the air, and then you know. So I think Pickford has has a lot to improve upon. I don't think it was good, but I'd be interested, Ryan, to hear uh, what the stats actually do tell us. It's not good. Uh... <laughs> Save percentage, uh, 63.4%. That would make him for qualifiers in the Premier League, 19. So that would be bad. Uh, and there's only, Jeez. actually, I think that's as a team. So it's all, but it's all Pickford. Um, so that's 19. So it'd be second worst. Um, so expected goals against versus goals against. Before the stats bomb stat correction, it was negative 4.8, 19. So I think they've corrected that. It probably won't be that big a number, but it's still just in terms of stopping shots compared to your average Premier League keeper, he is costing us multiple goals. So that's a big reason for the difference wow. between expected goals and conceded. His distribution is mm. actually decent. We actually launch a decent amount of kind of goal kicks and stuff. It's not, you know, some guy's stats, completion percentages, stuff looks like he takes care of the ball because they just play it shorter. But he's also, you know, I've, I've, I went back and forth a little bit on Twitter today with someone. It's not because we're giving up all these. All these opportunities. I mean, we were 13th in the league in shots, shots on target against. And we'll get into Pickford individually. I don't want to belabor the point, but it's not good. So and the other thing that's factor about that is he makes me nervous on set pieces too. But so without going this one into too much details, I'll just go over it. Uh, we didn't have that many penalties against this four. He's fine on those. But the problem is we're also conceding a lot of free kicks by fouling. I mean, so we were second in the league in fouls committed. So wow. I, I get that if you're like really bad, not that we're great in possession, but if, you know, we're 11th, how is it that you can be 11th? I mean, I understand if you're 20th and you're just conceding possession, you would naturally foul a lot, right? So how are we second? Andre, 2.35 
fouls per night. Wow. Calvin Lewin with a lot too. Actually, Gordon had a ton. Morgan Schneiderlin had a bunch too. But the forwards fouling is not, you know, it happens, whatever. But I mean, dear God, stop fouling. So I, I, there's nothing to say on that one, honestly. There's no reason to have dialogue about that. That's not okay. But let's get into the greater defensive actions. So a couple things I wanted to hit. Uh, talk about tackles. And again, that a lot of these things are factored, you know, by possession. We know we were middle of the road. So, and kind of like tackling. So how well we fared against people that would dribble at us. Um, I think another factor is pressures. You know, how well did we pressure the opponent? Um, how well did we prevent passes? How, how many interceptions did we have and how we did in the air? So let's break that down. We're talking about, did we tackle well? Did we prevent people dribbling by us? How well did we pressure? And how well did we prevent passes and pick them off? All right. So that's a lot. So we can make this a little more fluid, but um, we'll start off with Alex, just in terms of defensive actions and the effectiveness in our defense. What are your thoughts? You can imagine a lot of this is going to be captured in the midfield. Right. So I think, uh, I think in terms of tackles, it feels like Everton would be pretty low on the totem pole specifically because we've really been missing a DM for a good while. Um, and on top of that, we've been essentially rotating between three center backs all season, none of which have been like extremely impressive until the restart. Michael Keane, shout out Michael Keane. I, I would say, I don't know. I think because we switched to a four, four, two around yeah, halfway harder. through the season. Yeah. So, so the, I think in context, I'm, I'm just talking it out. We switched to a four, four, two halfway through the season we saw our players sit back and something that I think you helped me realize was the reason why we started doing a whole lot better. It seemed defensively was because we sat back more because we have the personnel to play a deeper line as opposed to Marco Silva wanting to play a very high line with let's say Michael Keane, um, which is why he ended up excelling. So it feels like because of that instance, it may be, it may be slightly good. It may be mediocre. That's, that's, I think my feeling. What about you, James? Yeah, I think just all of these these stats we're looking at, winning tackles, winning possession back, just doing those sorts of things are all things that, of course, Adrissa Gay brought to the team in spades. And in his absence, of course, JPG being injured, the remaining personnel, not really their strong suit. And I think particularly Andre Gomez, as a defensive specimen, as a defensive player, is very, very poor. So... Without a strong defensive player alongside him, I think he gets exposed. I think just most recent memory, Tom Davies, you know, works really hard on the defensive side of the ball, but really lacks the technique and, and ability to actually win tackles successfully. So I would say, you know, we may make a lot of tackles, but we also, you know, foul a decent amount, foul too much. So just as a defensive midfield unit really poor. And then I think our center backs, you know, really not our weakest area of the pitch. So I feel like they, they probably fared all right. Yeah. This one's harder because it's a function, a little bit of possession, but, um, mm. so the defense in general, I mean, it, it's the numbers are awful. Um, it is screaming for a midfield, just like you suggested. Uh, we're fourth in tackles, ninth in tackles one, by the way, which is how do you go for that's terrible. Tenth in uh, kind of um, percentage of tackles against dribbles, you know, 33% success rate, I guess, for us. Um, and it, we have a handful of guys that are just turnstiles. Uh, Gordon was, but again, he's a kid playing attack. Andre, Bernard, Davies, 
Dom was awful too. But I mean, Andre and Davies together, I don't think either of them have a higher than a 13% success rate against dribbles. And Bernard isn't any better. Those three, I mean, are complete turnstiles. That, that is so bad. I, I can't, I don't even know where to start. Um, one thing that I think is really, I mean, so we're 15th in terms of numbers of times we were dribbled past. Andre has been dribbled past 3.46 times a game per 90. I mean, that is Jeez. just unbelievable. Sigurdsson, 2.25. Davies, 1.91. I mean, it's, and so you could say, well, he did then attack and try to tackle. Okay. He also had how many fouls? So he is a very bad defensive midfielder. I don't think anyone would argue that, but it's much worse than I think you realize. Probably some other things are interesting, like we're 10th in interceptions. No one's really good. And another thing people don't realize in terms of tackles and interceptions, Sidibe is over six. No one else in the entire squad is over five per 90. And then no one is was over four besides Morgan Schneiderlin, and he's gone. Luca Dean is at 3.95. So Andre Gomes combined tackle and interception 2.41 per 90. You know how many interceptions he averages per 90? Point four three. I mean, that is that is like center forward level. Like you can't you can't have that. So I, I so probably the most important thing in there though that I think is really interesting is what you talked about, Alex, in terms of where we play in the pitch. Obviously, we would like to play in the other team's zone more. That's a very natural thing to say, right? So when, one of the stats I think is really interesting is pressures, the number of pressures in the attacking zone. So this one, I think, was very much a reveal. Now, granted, there's not a massive sample size of these. You know what I mean? So we're talking only, you know, a couple, maybe a game. But so center center backs. Michael Keane, 0.18 per 90. Mina, 0.55, Holgate, 0.57. Now, you look at that and you're like, well, those aren't big numbers. The differential, though, is massive. That is it. That says it all. And then you mix in the fact that, like, Keane cannot carry the ball forward. So... It's you're right. Michael Keane is very good sitting back. You saw him. He was winning everything in the air. He was fantastic. But ultimately, that's not really how you want to play. And my concern is that he can't play that way. And the other thing is, too. So you look at Seamus Coleman and Dean, you know, kind of look at them on both sides of the equation. Seamus Coleman, some of this is tactical, had just over one pressure in the attacking zone per 90. Dean with 2.7. I mean, that is a massive differential. And even if you're playing kind of asymmetrically, um. I am concerned that Seamus, we can get in the individual things, but we have nothing on the right side. You know, we're not going back and forth. Um, the one thing I didn't cover is aerials. I'll hit that real quick. We're middle of the road. Um, but one thing they may be surprised in the back. So Keen has won a ton, only slightly more than Mina though. You know, Keen has won 4.68 P90, Mina at 4.41, Luca Dean 3.32. And it, he leads our team in percentage, 67.9% in the air. So a lot of people don't think Luca Dean is that great a defensive player. I don't know what game they are watching. He is outstanding. He wins in the air. Too. He's always been good in the air. Um, he is really a complete player. I would hate to lose him. But Mina actually has the next highest percentage at 64%, slightly better than Keen. Paul Gates has gotten better too. <laughs> Shockingly, Bernard is lowest with a 6.3% <laughs> area win rate. I don't want to bring it up. It's just kind of mean. But um, so, yeah, the defense is is awful. I mean, we just don't look. We already talked about that. We don't possess the ball well. We don't progress the ball that well. Guess what else? We uh, we don't take the ball away very much as well either. So, um, all right, taking stock, we, we took a look back. There's some pretty damning stats there in the defensive side. 
to me, we got to take a hard look at the midfield. And some of these players that are not performing in these numbers, I mean, there's no reason to keep them around. So as much as we want to get sentimental, I think this sets us up nicely to do what I suggested on Twitter. And that is to kind of let's go through the squad. So, so to rehash what I sent out was, and apparently I sent this out at 2 a.m. Uh, I, I don't remember doing that. I, in a I fugue state. So I know. So I, I should probably explain why that happens sometimes to me, but I'm, I'm not going to get into it. Um, my quote was, what players do you want gone? Who do you want to see more from? But you keep them around. And which ones do you want to stay and kind of build around? So um, we got a lot of feedback from that. So what I thought we could do is maybe talk about the, the players on loan first, as they're kind of unique. And I think someone we kind of hit real quickly. And then kind of go through the current squad position by position and then talk about, you know, do you want to sell or maybe even loan someone? Do we just want to see more from them or or do we want to keep them? And I think we also got to be realistic. I mean, we can't move everyone and their mother out. You know, that's just not realistic. Um, But look, I I think we also got to assume that we got to move some of these people out, too. And the other thing, too, that we've compiled is and, and we can maybe make this available for someone. We got ages in here, too, but. It's important if they're in their last contract year. So I am a firm believer, and I kind of want to get your take on this, is I'm a firm believer that if someone is in their last contract year, you make a call, and you either extend them or you sell them. Because even to me, and let, let, let's move in and use someone as an example. So the first person on loan I want to talk about is Yannick Belasi, the entertainer he is. you know. So he was at Sporting. Uh, he's 31 years old. He's in his last contract year. He's making $3.9 million per year. So again... Even if you get nothing for him and you jettison him off for free, you know, that's 3.9 million that is off the books. And in theory, 3.9 million that you've freed up that you could use. So think about it. If all you did was spend 3.9 million on some smaller kind of younger player that could develop into something that can translate into a gain letter or you just keep it, you know, and save you for bandwidth under fair financial play, fair play going forward. So to me, so in general, I want to get that first. Would you disagree that that's not a proper practice to say, hey, they're in their last contract here. We got to make a call here. You either extend or jettison. I mean, I just I think it would be a very rare circumstance. And there's going to be one player in particular that we can talk about this about that. You would keep them through and let them leave on a free thoughts. Right. No, no, no. That's 100 percent the strategy. Last year, evaluate the contract. See you later or not again. And and honestly, you would even think in the when when they only have two years down, for example, if if depending on their age, right? If there was someone that think about it, continue to grow with the club. You know what I'm saying? Even if in their last two years, that's when I think clubs at at the very least would start thinking about contract talks and you know, do we see this as a future? Should we start shopping him now, et cetera, et cetera? So yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the 18 month mark is really like the magic number where you really kind of have to make a decision or or you risk, again, the financial ramifications. And we do, and I did want to take kind of just a, a bird's eye view of our loan strategy, because I think since Steve Walsh departed the club, so much of our loan strategy has just been to get some of these wages partially off the books. No question. Whereas other clubs, other clubs, you know, have a more developmental loan strategy. And we did have this for some players, but it seems like we've been giving these players, putting these players on loan just to put them in the window more consistently for other clubs to look at and come in and buy. Whereas ideally, we'd be in a scenario where we're loaning out younger players to really develop with the long-term aim of bringing them into the first team. That's a good point. Yeah, that's got to be part of this conversation, you know, because if you say loan, what's the point, you know? All right, so without further ado, quick decision. Yannick Pelosi, if we all agree, we'll just kind of move on. I say sell. Alex? Sell. James? 100% sell. 
All right. There you go. Lovely chap. You're gone. Um, Sandro Ramirez. This one will require a little conversation. He got back from Valdelis. He's only 25. 4.7 million per year. I know he's only 25. Crazy. So I, I want to say something about him. People think that he's just terribly, he terribly hasn't scored any goals. Well, first of all, he, at Sociedad, he was playing on the left wing a lot and even the right wing. So he's not really a single striker. So he's more of a secondary striker. And Valdely played him there mostly this year as kind of a second striker. And he's done well. I know everyone thinks, oh, I didn't score a ton of goals. Well, I scored three or four goals. And mostly when he got back from break, He's been good for them. I think they would like to keep him. And he he was willing to eat some salary to go back on loan. I actually say sell, but I think we're going to get a couple million bucks for this guy at least and get the salary off the books. And everyone's like, well, why wouldn't he stay? Why, why wouldn't he just stay and collect his money? It's one year, man. He doesn't want to stay. He wants to go and get on with his life, you know? So if someone will sign him, he's only 25 for three or four years, making even half of what he's making now. Over the life of his contract, that's two times what he would have made this year anyway. So he's going to want to go. I think we're going to sell him. I actually think we're going to get a couple million bucks for him. At least any arguments, sell? No, sell. Absolutely agree with the with the idea of getting a couple million for him as well. I think he has value, especially with his age, too. Yeah, I totally agree. With his age, you know, he hasn't. He became almost a meme at one point just because of the high hopes we brought him in mm-hmm. under. But then just I, I do think he he does have potential. I think there's going to be clubs that would be willing to take a risk on him and maybe not even a risk, but we'll be interested in his services. So he's another sell for me. Yeah. Now, keep in mind that only will leave Jank Tosin in terms of our premature balding group. So, um, oh, Mike, man, he'll be lonely, but we have to factor that in. So um, so Tarasha, which I can't pronounce his name if I tried, he's already gone. People maybe don't realize that, but he, he kind of signed a, a new deal, a two year deal just to go on loan to. FCMN. So he's gone. Don't need to talk about him. Josh Bowler, homegrown for country. No, uh, he was at Hall. He's 21. He's in his last contract year. He's probably not making much money. To me, I, I don't know the player that well. I've seen him play. I just I mean, we're too high level for that. I think we got to sell him and get something for him. Yeah, easily. James Sell. Yeah, for sure. I mean, another player who, you know, <clears throat> coming through the youth system, but probably will never reach the level we need him to. So sell for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, Mo Bessick. This is a good one. Again, last contract here. He's only 27. He's at Sheffield United. Now, keep in mind, he did break through the squad. He was playing there. He had like a series of 10 games where he played at least eight out of them. And actually, I, I think they like him a bit. But when they brought in Sander Burge, and I refuse to call him Burger. That is not, I just, nope. Um, he he went out of the squad entirely. So um, I think we tried to find a deal with him. And it sounds like Marcel wants three to five million for him. He's not on big salary, 1.6 million per year. While I could see in some strange world that we would extend him for two years or something because he can play center back and defensive mid. I just think that's silly. And we need to sell, get a couple million for him and move on. He could go to a good championship team for sure. And I'm not so sure he couldn't sit on the bench for a bad Premier League team. Uh, James, you first. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think we may have benefited from a player like him in the squad for the latter half of the year, just to add a little bit of steel, but not up to the aspirations of the club. Unfortunately, another player who just will not be part of the new regime, the long-term vision. So sell. Agreed. So it was an interesting point you made, right? Like you could see in some universe, he could be extended for a couple of years and possibly be a decent squad player based on his ability and what we've seen from him before. But I also think like mentally, you just take the history, like the amount of time that he's been in Everton. Yeah. Now he's 27 years old. So you got to figure even if, for example, we were able to extend him and, and he wanted to do that. The idea of him reaching the previous levels or, or higher levels is probably pretty low. 
So part of, part of yeah, that's I mean, been injury too. I mean, because he's still capable yeah. of playing like an absolute worldly. Like I feel like some on the national team play against Italy this past, like last summer, and he, he literally was the best guy in the pitch. I'm like, what is going on here? That is crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just how he is. Yeah, I think just got to move. Got to be practical with this one. I think he's just too banged up. So Kieran Dow is gone. He has been sold. So we don't need to talk about him, I guess. The Norwich, that's interesting. Lovely less peg, but he's going to take that left peg and his talents. To Norwich, um, Callum Connolly, he's 22 years old, just got back from Fleetwood Town. I know some people talk about they think he's great, but I mean, he's a 22 year old who was in League One. Any arguments with Sal? Absolutely not. No, got to move on. All right, John Joe, this one's interesting. John Joe, John Joe. <laughs> All right, so he's back from Schalke. He's 23. He's got two years left. He's not making a lot of money. My opinion of John Joe is. Despite all the glowing press reports out there at his incredible performance at Schalke, um, I just don't think he's good enough. So to me, it's fine to be a little undersized. I love his work rate. I love that he'll run all day. I think he can serve a ball pretty well, too, if he gets into space. But we just went through a squad and said we're not so good at ball retention. We don't take care of the ball very well. We're not that progressive with it. His first touch, I just don't think is good enough. He's he, he's doesn't keep the ball well. Uh, defensively, we've talked about that too. I just don't think he's that great. And I think if you really, and I watched Schalke a lot this year, um, he was in essence put in as a wing back. You know, I, he, he in a flat four is not so good and they had a lot of problems, but I just, I know he's 23. He could get better. I'm just not, I'm not seeing it. I, I think we should try and move him on. And I think we need a legit right back. And I would put that very high in our list of needs right behind central midfield. So James, let's start with you because I, I think this is a tricky, topic because we like him yeah. and we may even get stuck with him and we can use his work rate but i also kind of want someone that's a little different from Seamus too yeah for me john joe's the most interesting one on this entire list because he's the only one who was i mean theoretically loaned out to actually you know get consistent minutes improve his game under the assumption that he may have a realistic chance to come back and compete in the squad maybe didn't show enough at shalka he of course had he was well received by their fan base. They were abysmal once the, the league Bundesliga restarted. Yeah, they got hurt. They had so many injuries. So yeah. it is hard to judge him. I mean, he did, Yeah, I guess relatively he did well. Yeah. And I also think, you know, in a pinch, if other options fall through, he wouldn't be my first player on the list to sell by any stretch. I think if we end up stuck with him, it's not the end of the world. But I do think long term, we need to be looking for a player who can come in and, and fill that right back void for several years. And I'm not totally convinced that John Joe's the option that said he is a homegrown player. He's a toffee at heart. And so I think just inherently that does just bring, just adds a little more complication to the whole thing where I think that's, especially with Leighton Baines retiring, you do want to have some kind of like player who really understands the club to its core, but just a face value as a player, I do think we can do better at the right back spot. And if, and I also think, unlike the rest of the players on this list, he is a player we could get a decent chunk of money for. Yeah, John Joe is also interesting for me. So I will say, I, I would like to establish that I don't think he will ever he he will be good enough in in a short amount of time to be our starting right back that we need. Okay, so I will say that based on that i'm kind of indifferent as to whether or not he's sold because i think he could be a decent backup right back but obviously that's only going to happen if we don't sign a starting one correct because if it's him and Seamus here i think kenny's probably the backup again 
what I, I will think, say is from I don't a think financial... he'll want to do that. In all honesty, I think right. one of the reasons no, why I wanted exactly. to talk to him is to do true. that. That's so, true. So, but that, that's important, right? Because then, then you almost have to sell him or loan him again. Right. And, well, so and then from a financial perspective, I don't usually like to do this for players, but I think the fact that he's on only 780K per year, he's very cheap relative to most of our other players, it seems, or at least most of our um, other players that you could say would be um, generally in contention for a starting spot. And on top of that, you got to think like his age at 23 years old. Um, let's ask ourselves, do we get more value for him if we sell him now? Or do we get m- more value for him if we were to let him stay at Everton for, you know, let's say another year or two, if we were to extend him and watch him essentially not break into a starting role? Because that that seems more likely than him being able to make leaps and bounds and become the starting right back we need. That th- I think those are my thoughts, really. So this is, this is a tricky one, too. It's worth talking about it now before we get into it. We don't know exactly where we're at financial fair play. We don't know if the Premier League is going how they're going to handle it. So this might be one of those situations where we would want to sell now, maybe at a lower price just to free up freedom. But but in an ideal world, if we weren't under those pressures, I could absolutely see setting him out on loan again somewhere, getting a loan fee for him, which you probably could considering the salary is not real high. Uh, and then maybe his post-COVID value is higher. It's a thought. But but it didn't sound like anyone was confident that he could step in and be the starting right back. I mean, am I, I got that right, right? Not for a team that's aspiring for sixth place. Well, then I think I, I think I have our answer, right? I mean, you either got to sell him or loan. Yeah. Because I just don't think he wants to stay here and sit on the bench. That's my opinion. So, and frankly, I think Fair Shane enough. has lost a little. So, okay. All right. So, sell or loan. Um, Matthew Pennington, sell. Last contract here. Any arguments? Sell. 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 All right. Lossel. I can't. We need legitimate competition for Pickford. I don't think he sees him at, at it as it. I mean, he's got two years left. He's not on massive salary. If we could send him back to Huddersfield or whatnot, I, I, th- I think we would at age 31. I mean, any real arguments there? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, he we loaned him back to Huddersfield. Uh, I think his level is far below what we need. You know, I, and and I think part of us like it just you look back to did we take uh Robles for granted on our on our bench for like what four or five years that that's all I can, I'm going to say about that I, I feel wow. like we took that for granted based on you know the list that we're, we're looking at James Hugh yeah I mean he was brought in to push Pickford and he clearly didn't do that because he wasn't able to get any game time with us <laughs> I think that speaks volumes I, the one thing that I'm concerned about is that we're talking we basically said sell every single player on loan which kind of is expected but like you said earlier Ryan like we can't sell everyone so the fact of the matter is like we need to prioritize and be realistic about what our what our constraints may be with financial fair play. We can't just sell the whole squad and bring in 11 new players. So I feel like Lussell may be one that that ends up sticking around somehow. But in an ideal world, we sell him and get a better backup that can genuinely push Jordan Pickford. I mean, I don't even think you can still do that in football manager, but I haven't played in a while. So um, so the last one I think is not a sell for sure is Lewis Gibson. So he was, he, he, by all accounts, a successful Fleetwood Town. I mean, he wasn't there for very long, but he couldn't be. I think all nine games, they did incredibly well. I don't think they lost one of them. They won like six and tied three. He just turned 20. Like a lot of people don't realize he's only one year older than Jerry Braithwaite. He's got two more years. He's not making a ton of money. I, I think this, we all recognize we want to keep this kid. I, I think he's probably a little more polished than, than Jared is. I think Jared has a little more natural talent. So to me, I would say finding him another loan sounded like it was part of the deal. If we're really stuck at the end of the window, maybe we plug him in as the fourth corner. But I really think a kid that's polished like this, he just needs game time. And I think he needs to go out on loan. I, I don't know what your thoughts are, guys. Maybe a recall 
in there if we if we're going to keep three center backs and you know I don't know thoughts. Yeah, give Gibson another loan, let him develop more. Again, twenty is very very young for a center back. We talk about Branthwaite. I think both of them will benefit from loans, and I think they they do still have a lot of potential. Like you said, out uh, Ryan, when he came when he went to Fleetwood, he improved their team tremendously. He clearly has something to offer. I think long term he can be a solution for us at center back, but just not quite yet. Again, with our aspirations. I, I honestly, maybe get a you know a loan to the championship, maybe even a lower Premier League side, depending on who's interested. But get him loan time, get him alone, get him game time, and let him further develop, and we'll see where we're at next next season. Alex, loan, loan. He said the, everything the only, I needed to say. Yeah, I mean, the only curveball I throw in it is Baines retiring. He can play left back. But anyway, I, I think we know where we sit on him. So that's more, I really think, end of the window type thing. So, um, okay, let's move on. So let's get into the current squad now that we've gone through and just taking a look back, the loan situation. Oh, my God. Like, you look at that and you're like, wow, um, it's not pretty. But anyway, okay, current squad. So so we talked a lot about Pickford. <clears throat> um, So it's funny, when I posed the Twitter question out there, we had some very, very interesting responses. Um, one of my favorite out there is our, our beloved exile toffee <laughs> out <laughs> JP was right in there. Um, I, I don't like Pickford. I'm tired of him. I was excited when we signed him. I, I thought we overpaid for him, but I was excited. I don't think we're going to find any buyers to this guy. Anyway, I don't know who in their right mind would take him on. He's on a hundred K a week since he signed that new deal. Right. And I, I want to know who was responsible for that. I get he was coming off the world cup because brands had just got here. The only hope I have for this guy is I don't think we're going to be able to sell him anyway. If we get some competition, maybe, maybe he'll push on going towards the, the Euros. I mean, I, Alex, what do we do with Jordan Pickford? Well, I mean, like you said, I just, it just feels like we won't get the value for him. And so on that alone, I'm just sitting here saying like, maybe why should we try to sell him this year? Because the difference, and correct me if I'm wrong, the difference from last year and this year in his performance is pretty big. And so you say, maybe he could improve. And if we can't get anywhere near the value that we feel like he could be worth, especially after a terrible season like that, then maybe it makes sense. However, if we really think that we can find a better starting keeper for better value relative to Pickford and, and what we could sell him for, then I think it makes sense to sell him. Yeah, for me, I just don't see the scenario emerging where we're able to sell Jordan Pickford. I think we bring in competition for him, ideally have legitimate competition at the goalkeeper position, and maybe he gets unseated. I think it's a player, you know, so much of our transfer strategy post Steve Walsh has been, we bought high and we sell low. And I just, I think Pickford's stock is about as low as it could get right now. And I just don't really think that, like, whether we stick with him at this as our starting goalkeeper all through next season is a different question, but I don't think we the value we'd recoup for him right now makes sense to get rid of him. I would sell him. I, I, I think his value could get worse. And I actually believe, really? I cannot believe I'm going to say this, I actually believe even a mediocre player, I'm not suggesting a 37-year-old Ben Foster or anything, but I, I really think we would have absolutely zero problem replacing this guy at all. But again, you're right. I mean, if it's not going to be, you know, for anything, there is some thought that he could revert back to an okay form at best and we could sell him. So, and again, if we can't move in the window, fine. I would absolutely sell him. Yeah, I, I have no confidence in his ability to perform back there at all. I can't stand him on set pieces. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't. Nope. No, I would sell him. I absolutely would. Anyway. 
Okay, but he needs a legit competition because we don't think we're going to sell him anyway. That we all agree on, yes. So, yes, our need going forward, legit competition for Pickford. We agree on that, right? Yes. Absolutely. Is Jao Virginia that? Do, he's in his last contract here. He's 20 years old. Alex. No. No, no, no. So, Sal? I was really... I, yes. And, yeah, and I say that because... Say it. You know, you look back at his performances when he first went on loan... He had like three really bad blunders or two or three really bad blunders in the first handful of games he played, got benched and then sent back. Right. Don't get me wrong. He's very young, especially for a keeper. We know keepers are seasoned in terms of their their height of performance a little later in life than than uh, field players are. And respectively, they get to last longer in terms of of how long they, they play the game. But if we're talking about we're talking about how important it is to either a at least get better competition for Pickford or B uh, sign a better starting goalkeeper. I don't think, you know, if we see Steck still as like better than Lossel and Virginia as our backup, <laughs> and he's also gone because we wouldn't extend him. I just don't see why we should essentially continue to keep dead wood. Don't get me wrong. I really do hope that he can, he can progress for himself. It just, I don't, I don't think it fits with our timeline. Timing's wrong there. Agreed. I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head. Virginia is not the answer. I don't think he he will be at any point in the near to mid future. So sell for me. Get him off the books. Let's get some legit competition in. I mean, Harry Tyre and I guess that Defridis Hansen guy who is born in the United States, Danish citizen. I mean, he's just put him in his Hummel goalkeeper kit now. Uh, no, I, I see no reason why that those guys would be any worse risk as an emergency third geek goalkeeper either. So gone. See ya. You can join your boy Marco Silva somewhere. Um, all right, right back. Seamus Coleman, age 31, signed with two more years still. 3.6 million per year. Uh, I'm going to start us off and I say keep, but to me, he is fading. He can't seem to get up the field. I mean, and he's not dangerous. I mean, 0.2 crosses per 90. I know he can still beat people on the dribble, but not as well. It, it wasn't pressuring in the attacking zone. It seems like he can either attack or defend any any match. I really appreciated the job he did shutting down Sadio Mane and uh, Liverpool, and and I think he could still be a leader, I guess, on the field. But we we need a starter. We need a consistent threat down the right, back and forth, or someone that will sit back and defend like crazy. You know what I mean? And be the switcheroo. So Dean could be the right, the left sided Cafu and. Whoever we bring in could be the right-sided Maldini. Uh, that's probably unlikely. Obviously, no one's as good as that guy. But yeah, I mean, they they need. And there's some guys out there that I think could you could just slot in right away. I think right back. I truly believe this. Not quite as much of a need as central mid, but I think it is the second most important position on the field where we need to improve. Because I see a scenario where, because of how bad the rest of our attacking players are, with maybe keeping the ball maybe even defensively, that we improve in the midfield by getting a little bit more defensively responsible individuals that can maybe play a little deeper, almost like a 4-2-2-2. And if that is the case, or if we want to play narrow, like we don't have that many outside attacking players. And we, if we don't have the money to bring them in, we need to rely on attack from the width from the outside. You know, and Carlo's done that a lot in the past, whether it's a Christmas tree or a diamond or whatever. If that is the case, we need a right back that can really attack and be a force out there. So I want to go big on right back. I, I'd say keep Seamus, but I think we have a massive need there. Um, and that is my rant on right backs. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts? Keep them. Yes, of course. But do we have a need at right back? How big is it? 
Yes, we have a need at right back. Keep them. Uh, I thought you covered the the right back subject brilliantly, brilliantly there, Ryan. But uh, oh, thank you. I, you know, I think the other thing too is we we talk about how a lot of our a lot of our attack, a lot of our possession, our ball retention happens on the left hand side, which makes us really one dimensional, and we've known that, right? Like, yes. literally, just let's hope someone can link up with Luca Dean because he's always gonna essentially be pretty consistent. And let's swing across into the box because we can't find Dom or Charleston. Yep. Defeat, right? That's essentially what it is because there's no central midfield currently anyway. You add essentially an equal or a close to equal. I think it'd be very I think it would be hard for us to find a right back with the same talent and performance level as Lucas Dean, obviously. But uh if we can find someone close to that talent level to fit in on the right hand side and give us that width, I think it would be a whole new uh game plan. And and I don't necessarily agree with this argument all the time, but with the fact that Jags is gone, Baines is retired, and with Yet again, more squad overhaul. Like we talked about it. Our our oldest player is like Matthew Pennington, or our longest serving player, other than obviously I think Coleman would be like Matthew Pennington or big something. Big impact or, for Matthew over the years. Big impact. Right. Yeah. No. Exactly. Twenty five <laughs> now. So. Right. So essentially, what I'm trying to say is, I think Seamus is a guy that you could make a very firm argument based on the current time for the club that he should stay, even if it's for just the 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 culture and the work ethic and the mindset that he can instill in the rest of the squad and, and, and the, the expectations. Although I would hope that uh, Carlo Ancelotti is pretty good at setting those. Yeah. Coleman is, is one we have to keep, but as you said, Ryan, he's fading, been a great servant for the club. One of the best players for Everton in the Premier league era, but his days are most certainly numbered and he's not getting any younger. Gotta prioritize that position, bring someone in that can really contribute both offensively and defensively. And that's that's pretty much all I have to say. I think you guys both did a good job of, of rounding out that conversation. All right. 60 grand stays and it's a big need, we think. All right. Center back Mason Holgate first age 23 homegrown signed through 25, 26, 3.6 million per year just off his new deal. Uh, I think we all can probably say keep, although I, I will say this. I will say this. Um, he's not perfect. I think we I, I'm I think. I still think Yuri Mean is our, our better center back, and we'll get to him in a second. But um, I like the fact that he can play right back too. There is some scenario that I could see us getting another another center back and pushing Mason out a little bit more over to the right if we need to, and kind of playing like that Maldini role where he sits back a little more, defends, and we attack more up the other side, just reverse. You know, Maldini was on the left and Cafu was on the right. So uh, I'm assuming you guys are all going to agree on keep. Yes, Alex? Yes. I mean, the club kind of decided for us a couple of months ago with a new contract. So keep Fair it is. Point. Fair point. James, no arguments, right? No arguments. I think he has a pretty high ceiling. Continue. He improved tremendously this year. We know going into the season, there were a lot of questions being asked. And I think he answered the call very, very well. Looking forward to see his continued development. Yeah. So Yeri Mina, age 25, signed through 22, 6.3 million per year. Big price tag. But this is so I, I say strong keep. The only concerns concern I have with Yeri Mina is his injuries, although he was available for 31 out of our 38 games this year. And he was only kind of not available consistently with any significant injury after the break. I just think he's our best center back. He's just as good in the air as Keen. He's better than Holgate 1v1. I mean, you do not get by Yuri Mina on the dribble. He can press high. We've seen that. He can. The numbers say he can, too. And he carries the ball better than everyone. He can make passes under pressure. He's a good, he's our best possession football center back by far. Uh, he's a threat on set pieces. 
I understand he gets hurt some. He's only 25. He can get better. He can be an elite center back. We have to keep this guy. It drives me crazy that someone would think, legitimately think, that you would keep Michael Keane over him. Uh, but let's talk about Mina by itself before we get into Michael Keane, which is a little more controversial. James, lead us off. Yeah, I, I agree, Ryan. I do think I think the opinion on Mina is just skewed because he does seem to pick up knocks. He's a big why, dude. Why is that? Why do people not like like what is their? It's not an attitude, right? He's a he's a monster on the pitch. Why, why do you think that people are? Is it just the injury thing? It seems more than that. <laughs> Well, I feel like it's like stop start, right? Like he can never get in the team for a sustained period of time and really like put in like five or 10 good performances in a row. I do agree. Like you watch him and he's by far our most well-rounded center back. He is so good in the air. He hasn't executed, you know, scoring on set pieces maybe as often as we would have expected coming off the World Cup. But still, again, for a guy his size, he's such a good one-on-one defender. He really bullies people. He's extremely useful. I think if he's just not a player we can afford to lose under any circumstances. I mean, Alex, isn't he the type of guy that you want to keep with kind of the compete level and, and the things he can do? No, am I wrong? No, he he's our number one center back. Easy. And and he has he has a high ceiling, just like Mason Holgate does, just like uh well, not just like, but in a similar fashion, Michael Keane can also improve. So keep, can't afford to lose him, like James said. Yeah, and I don't want to rehash on Holgate. I, keep in mind, I think Mean is better now. Holgate has a tremendous ceiling, though. There's no question about it. You know, especially his ball playing ability needs to improve. It can. Michael Keane, age 27, signed. He's got two more years. This upcoming year, the year after, signed through 21-22, 3.1 million per year. He is English and homegrown. All right. So the Twitter sphere spoke on this one. It's definitely the biggest hot rod. Um, you've got my boy Brad Everett down there in Houston, Texas. He wants to keep him. Um, whereas you've got a guy like Lee Stokes, and I love Lee. Lee and I go back and forth a lot. He's got a lot of really good opinions. I think he wants him gone. So I'm in the Lee Stokes realm. I want Keen gone. And here's my thought. I know, I know it's not a football manager. We can't be selling people and moving people like crazy. So if he stays, I'm not totally hurt. But it's just when when one of our two guys are out, Holgate or Mina, we can't play the same. We can. I brought up the fact that only 0.18 per 90 attacking, you know, attempts in the attacking zone. He he just can't play higher. He will not carry the ball forward. He just absolutely won't. Um, he can pass it forward a little bit and cut through lines occasionally. He's still a little inconsistent out it. I know he's good in the air, but I just he's got two more years. You got to make Al. You said it earlier, man. You got to make a call a little bit on these two more year guys too. I don't see his value being higher. And look, he's perfect for a lower level team. And yes, we would have to compete against them in theory, but he's a nice guy, uh, you know, lovely guy. But man, I, we need we need a ball player like Holgate and Mina are good with the ball. OK, with the ball. Mina's a little more reliable, but we do not have a ball playing center back about a guy like like Gabriel who can really play a ball dangerously directly. You know, think of what Luca Dean did on that amazing pass to Richarlison for that goal. And I don't necessarily want to play that way. But when teams are going to press high against us, like we saw them doing more this year, God, having a guy in the back that can spray one, especially, hey, if Moise Keen is playing up top, you're telling me you wouldn't mind instead of possessing the ball nicely, a 75-yard bomb to put him one-on-one in space right outside the box against the defender. I mean, come on. I want to play more like that. We need that alternative. So to me, the ideal is... You sell Keen, and maybe you lose a little bit of money on the deal, and you buy a ball playing center back, and you're done. 
Uh, I don't know if that's possible. If he had to stay, it's not the worst thing in the world, but I just think he just, he forces us to play a certain way. And, and I don't, I, in the long run, I don't see him being part of this squad. I will say that for sure. Uh, James, let's start with you. Yeah. For me, it's, it's something similar. I do think he does deserves a lot of credit for his contribution since the season resumed. But like you said, Ryan, like he comes in and, and you're very limited in what he offers offensively. Like he, he can be very good if we're compact defensively. He'll win everything in the air, but he doesn't have that expansive nature to his game, which I think you need to be in a, to compete at an elite level in the Premier League. You need that from your center backs. So for me, two years on his deal, again, like you said, his, his value is going to be pretty high. He can, we can definitely fetch a good fee from maybe one of the newly promoted teams, maybe a club like, Oh, I don't know, you know, say a, a Burnley or something like that. He could return there or something, you know, oh, he'd be perfect uh, there. There's no question. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's where, that's why he, we got, we paid 30 million for him when, when he came in or 25 or whatever it was. Um, he would thrive in that environment. I don't think that, I think, you know, Carlo may believe in him, but again, with the ball at his feet, he's very timid. He's not confident. And I think he's, you know, as a third option at center back, I think we can do better. That's fair. I, th- I think I agree with that. I think we can do better, but with the slight caveat, I think we can do better with the value. Um, if we signed a third center back based on the fact that he's on 3.1 mil a year. And I'd like to say COVID's effect on international football economics withheld based on his performance over project restart, his value has not been higher in an Everton shirt. I feel pretty confident in saying that since we bought him. And with that, with the whole, you know, he's, he's on two more years now. I think I feel pretty confident in saying his value probably won't be higher than it is right now, except for very much, maybe the January window. But then you very much shrink suitors, you know, the amount, the the pool of suitors when you get to a January transfer window also, especially in, I think, the the sort of money that we'd be talking for Michael Keane. So uh, long-windedly, I agree with both of you and sell. 20 million to Spurs. Jose will have them when they park the bus. He'll be perfect. There you go. All right. Um, yeah, the other thing is, too, if you sell them too, the concern is that you would need another center back, too. But I, that's we got to keep this analysis a little bit simple. I mean, you've got, you know, you got JPG out there. It could be the fourth emergency center back, at least until the winter break. You could put a recall on Gibson. I, I don't like. Yes, I hear that concern, but um, I, I don't know. I It's a concern. I'm assuming we would replace him. We're going to have at least three center backs for heaven's sakes. So Jared Braithwaite, though, that that's what it comes down to. That's part of this conversation. Why make that transition? He's only 18. I think he signed through 2023 now because we had that option to extend it. To me, I saw the same player I saw in D2, but what composure, you know? I mean, I know his attitude is really good, too. I knew he had the athleticism. You know, I, I know he's still raw, though. I know a lot of people didn't see that as much. I mean, we played deeper, so you didn't see a lot of his 1v1 kind of technical maybe challenges and decision making um in the air you think you just win everything and he, he did in division two but he doesn't necessarily hear i mean yes we're going to keep him i just don't know if it'll be very interesting to see what we do i could see two scenarios i could see alone i could also see him staying they work on very specific training with him and if someone goes down he goes in but i i, I don't know he probably needs game time i say loan uh recall notice on gibson and the backup in Bameen would be the emergency. And then the overall need for center back would be nothing. Assuming we would replace Keen. That that's my overall take on the window. 
Um, so freight weight is a keep. What would you guys do with them? And do what kind of need would we have at center? But, you know, I should keep this simple. If we sell Keen, we definitely have a need. I think we all agree on that. Um, do we need a more experienced fourth center back if we only have three? So two part question, Jared. And then do we need four full fledged senior center backs or can we get by Alex? In terms of his contract, keep him. In terms of what I think we should do with him the next season, I think we should loan him. Um, whether that's, I think, I think the ultimate goal really should be like a solid championship team to get, like, to continue um, progressing with like the physicality of the league, while also, you know, being a little more forgiving than the Premier League itself. Uh, in terms of needing a more experienced uh, fourth center back, I think, I don't, I don't think we necessarily do, but. I think it's so I, there's a case to be made that he could be our fourth center back based on his based on his performances over project restart. But then you ask, right, like, is Carlo going to keep the same sit deep, deep lying four four two formation? The, the answers, I think, would probably be no. And so that but that begs the question, like, can he really compete in the Premier League level? We haven't seen him do that yet, as you said, Ryan. So I think there's there, there's there's a there's a case to be made for both sides. But I personally think he should loan. And I think. We need to sign sign someone, a left-footed center back that is in contention, that is contention to start. That's what I think our squad yeah, needs. I do think Branthwaite is one that does just need consistent game time. Like, he just has to play. And being our third or fourth center back option is just not what he needs at his age. We saw glimpses of what he's capable of. But again, I agree. I'm totally in agreement with Alex. We're alone to the championship. I do think if we can't, if we sell Keen and we can't bring in any kind of replacement, then it opens the door for either Gibson or Branthwaite to to fill in in the first team picture. But I don't think long term that really benefits us as a club. I still think they're both players that need to need to get game time, need to continue to develop. And I do think he has a bright future. I think perhaps him alongside Mason Holgate long term could be a really promising pairing. But for me, just needs a loan. And I'll leave it at that. If we keep Keen, do we still have a need for a senior left footer like a Tiago Silva, if you assuming he would be affordable? Yes, in general. Learn. I don't know about Tiago Silva. <laughs> he, has, <laughs> he has a fun song about him. James, yes, in general? Yeah, I do think we need that that extra depth. I wouldn't put it as like our number one priority because I think we can we can skirt by with three. But the fourth would just kind of give us all confidence that we know that Mean is susceptible to injury. We're just not going to get completely exposed like we kind of have been this season a little bit by not replacing so, Kurzuma. All right. So a need for sure. Maybe we could take some risk there. Maybe not. All right. Left back. Luca Dean, 27, signed through 22, 4.7 million per year. If any of you don't say keep, I'm going to be angered. Uh, the question is uh, need. Do we need another one there? I mean, Fabian Delph, if he stays, can be our backup, but he's injured a lot. If you. And this would be an argument to keep Lewis Gibson, of course. Would you bring in someone on loan? Would you buy someone? Um, it seems like there's some uncertainty. I don't, I can't believe we actually made a bid for Regulon, by the way. And by, and by the way, he isn't going for 18 million. I can tell you that right now. That guy is really good. It ain't going to be, if you could buy him for 18 million, we should do it right now. I mean, it's just, I don't care if we'd have two left backs, do something with him. That would be insane. But I, I don't know. I mean, my initial take is, if Dell stays and we bought, like, say we bought like a Gabriel who's a left footer that maybe could sub in there. I think if we, it'd be nice to have another one, but I'd say roll the dice a little bit. Thoughts? Starting with Alex. I th uh, Well, obviously keep Luca Dean. Hopefully he wants yeah. to stay um, in general. I didn't, want to be I'm angry. Not, I didn't want to be angry. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Hopefully, he wants to stay in general. Um, I've never, I would never try to uh, piss you off, but uh, no, I think, I think, you sure? Yeah, the backup, the ba- <laughs> no, I'm not sure. The backup left back situation, I think, is interesting. If I had my way, I think the safest bet for the club is just pull a Gibral Sidibe, but not with not not with him specifically. <laughs> we don't want another Cuco <laughs> Martina situation. Um, just essentially go for the same thing. Go for a solid backup le- left back that needs competition, but also could possibly step into a role, do do well in cup competitions. Just take some of the workload off. I think that's the safest bet and what we should do. Yeah, when you have a nailed on starter like Luca Dean, I don't think that the the pressing need is to bring in a backup who may or may not play throughout the entire season. You know, Leighton Baines had very limited appearances. Of course, the concern would be injury. I do think that alone with an option to buy, we do have to start to think about, you know, the long-term future. If Luca Dean has another really, really strong season, it's kind of inevitable that there's going to be suitors coming in. And at that point, you look at a 28-year-old that you sell for a significant fee. Um, so I think we have to take a long-term view from this. So I think alone to option to buy with option to buy is our best option at this position. So I'd say it'd be interesting. We'd probably take a little risk at center back. It would be awesome if we could find on a loan a left back slash left center back. That would actually solve a lot of problems now that I think about it. You could send Gibson and both JB on, on loan. That's something. That's, that's a thought, you know, cause if Dell's healthy, he can play left back just fine. I think that's me. Um, so let's move on to him. Center mids, defensive mids. All right, couple one. Fabian Dell, 30, signed for two more years, 4.2 per year. I just want to see more from the guy. I don't think you're going to get much for him, but if we did, it'd be fine. Um, that's my take. Uh, I like the fact that he can play back up left back. And like I said, he, he can pass under pressure and possess the ball. He's one of the few guys that can carry the ball up the field. I mean, he, he has the best pass receiving numbers on the team. I'm not saying he's going to be a starter or anything, but I think he can be a useful player. Maybe he's dead with the fans. I don't know. Quick take on this one, guys, because if you get an offer, I would let him go, I guess. But uh, I would want to see more. I'd say more. James. Yeah, if we can keep him healthy, I still think he has the opportunity to contribute to this squad. This That's his biggest downfall. Just always injured. Um, there was a link with Leeds the other day. I think that's probably BS to bring him in. Obviously, there's the sentimental factor there. But for for pure depth, I think we have to keep him. Again, if we get a decent offer, like you said, Ryan, I'd I'd sell him, kind of cut some costs, maybe bring in a, a younger replacement to develop. But that experience is valuable, and and we don't have that many experienced players right now. So that's my take. Agreed. Keep him, and we want to see more. We just want to see him on the pitch more. That's that's pretty much it. He's homegrown too. Tom Davies also homegrown, age twenty two, sign through twenty two twenty three, one point three million per year. Not much. This one's hard. So I'm going to give my take on this one first. I think it's a little different than most. I loan him. I think he has no business playing with any sort of defensive responsibility. I just don't think he can do it. I, I can't believe he can't do it by now. His awareness just isn't there. It's not for him. I, I want to see him pressing forward. I would loan him someplace that will play him in a more attacking role. See how he goes. And um, if he can come back, great. Uh, worst case scenario, he shows his kind of progressive nature, his dribbling and his attack nature. And we sell him for a big fee. I, I, unless you can get a good deal for him now and we need it. James. Unless we're going to bring in like three center mids this window, I think we just have to keep him for depth. I agree, Ryan. Like it's, he's shown that he really, really doesn't perform when he's tasked with a lot of defensive responsibility. The work rate is there. He's on record saying he would prefer to play in a number 10 type role with less defensive responsibility. I think he's a player that the fan base has completely written off. So I think that, you know, 
says enough. But I also think he's a victim of circumstance where he hasn't really been able to play in his preferred position. He's been asked to do a lot of things that are uncharacteristic of his play style. So I think we have to keep him. But I do think he's a player that's probably should have been loaned out years ago and just never really got that yeah. chance. And I don't know if he'll ever get a ch- the. Uh, we just can't afford to loan him out right now with our lack of depth. I personally think he should be loaned. I think he should be loaned because... I mean, he's legitimately been in the first team setup for like three or four years, and he's been played out of position almost the entire time. He's gone through what, like six or five managers, four managers, what? if you're, you know, including. What is his position? What I mean, do we know? Like, I he think he's thinks, more of an he attacking says, player. He says, he says, he literally said he's an attacking midfielder, as James said, right? And so it's like he's been played out of position as mostly box to box, in my opinion, throughout his tenure at Everton. James, you said the fans are behind or are not necessarily behind them. They've kind of written him off. I think he just needs a change in scenery. He needs to be played in a position that he prefers and he's happy playing with. And I just think he needs a break from from Everton life in general. Just get more time to play, get less respons- uh, defensive responsibility, and, and come back refreshed. And let's see what he can really, really flourish into. Well, three for three for loans. I, I think that's the right idea. I agree. All right. So next two guys, Benny Beningame, Dennis Adenaran. Both 21, both have an extra year. I think Dennis does not on much money. I, we got to loan these guys. We have no idea what we got in them. Um, they're not going to be part of the setup. I'm assuming we're going to get mids. So any arguments on that one, guys? Alex? Nope. Loan. James? Loan for both. I can't believe Benny Beningham is only 21. That's like shocking to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Next. Andre. Age 26, signed through 23-24 at 5.8 million per year. My dear friend, Owen Parks, one, two, three, Mr. Old Soul, that's probably half my age. His comment, undergone. Ideally, Gomes, but I'm not allowed to have that opinion. So, without getting too much into that, you heard the numbers. He's a decent possession player. Um, He is a flat-out terrible defensive player. He just is. Um, I guess I could get, he, he cannot start in my opinion. He definitely can't play in a two man midfield either. I can see him coming in if we need to, to either calm down or press forward, let him loose a little bit. Maybe when teams are tired, we can, we can play him up a little higher and play like a single defensive mid. I I could see him being involved in some aspect. I need to see more from this guy because he's been okay at times, but my God, since the break, I know he's coming off injury. I mean, he played some of the worst games I've seen. So, um, James, let's start with your take on Andre. I say I need to see more, but I would not count him as a starter. I would not plan on that at all. Yeah, I think in a two-man midfield, Andre Gomez is going to get exposed more often than not. I do think he brings something to the side if he does have a more capable defensive midfielder alongside him. Like, I think alongside JPG, he could perhaps be more influential, allow him a bit more freedom to get forward, create things. But he's not a player we can afford to sell. I mean, again, we're, we're looking at a scenario where we're we're looking for more from Fabian Delph, loaning out three others potentially. And we're just so thin at the position. I think we have to take what we can get right now and really bring in reinforcements rather than be looking to to ship players out at this time. It's just the, it's just the reality of the situation to me. No, and there's no dictating a role, too. I mean, it's not like Carlo isn't going to dial up something maybe a little different where he could maybe excel more in, you know, but two-man midfield, no chance. I don't know. Alex, I mean, you disagree or? No, I think that's pretty accurate. The numbers tell the story. He definitely wasn't good coming back, although it was, it was to be fair, let's be fair, it was a surprise he even came back this season, right? 
and he didn't really have a choice based on the fact that every all the other central uh, midfielders were injured or gone in our luck. Uh, but I, I would say keep him. We want to see more from him. It really just depends on the setup. So hopefully next season we have a better setup that's more suited to our midfield, <laughs> along with a couple new midfielders. <laughs> so uh, JP Bameen, age 24, signed through 24, 2.7 per year. I can't imagine we could do anything other than keep him. I think he would help immensely, though. I really do. He can tackle. He can pass with range. He can do it under pressure. He's a big, strong guy. I, I think he's going to be really good for us. I have a little bit of concern that maybe he's not perfect in a two-man midfield, um, but he is more kind of defensively responsible. I, I think he's a wonderful player. I thought he was a great acquisition. You guys maybe respond to that and then say, okay, then let's talk about needs in central mid, defensive mid. Um because I think it's massive. So let's start with Alex. Let's start with you with JPG and then overall midfield needs. We need we need to keep JPG. We need him to fill in and be the Ghana replacement that we we signed and we needed and we still need. In terms of our needs in central midfield as a whole, in general, as we went wrap up um, talking about our central midfielders, we at the very least need to sign a starting central midfielder that can pass the ball. In an ideal scenario, we could sign two, but... That all depends on on how the finances and, and FFP and stuff turn out. So yes, in an ideal world, I think we need to sign two good central midfielders uh, in order to help the squad kind of progress, especially based on, I think, the Andre Gomez stats. It seems more of a need than we thought maybe initially going into the, well, even just a couple of months ago, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, JPG coming in is practically like a new signing because he's hardly played for us. So just him coming in, and I think we're going to need at least two additional center mids to kind of fill out that position um i'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the side if he can get healthy i do think he was a really strong signing he he offers a lot of uh prowess in the areas that we talked about earlier that we're deficient in so i think he'll really i think he'll offer and could be the biggest game changer as far as our barring any new signings would be the most influential player to bring into the side that changes our our capabilities going forward our ability to to win the ball back in the midfield the most so for me, keep JPG, get him healthy, get him in the side, and then sign two additional center mids to fill out that the rest of it. Yeah, two additional center mids for me, too. No question about it, um, especially if you send Davies on loan. I think the numbers would be fine doing that. So JPG is, I think he was brought in to play as like a sitting six, you know, kind of like Schneiderlin does in a three-man midfield. Uh, he can play in a two. He, he's He's athletic. I think some people maybe think he's like Ghana. He's not really like Ghana, though. You know, he he was a replacement, but a replacement that we were going to have to play a little bit differently anyway. But yeah, the two needs. So for me, the big thing about the needs are I, I do not, I, I just, I can't get my mind around this fact that folks want, we need goals for midfield. You know what we need for midfield? We need some guys that can actually keep the ball a little bit, you know, that can pass the ball under pressure, that can actually receive a ball so that we can get more people forward. Yes, it'd be great if they could pass and get into the box. The issue is not our ability to score. Once we get it there, we need to get it there more often. And most importantly, they have to be able to either pick off passes, make it tough for, for, for teams to play through us because we are like Swiss cheese in the midfield, right? Now. We're not even Swiss cheese. We are hot butter with a sharp knife. Ooh. We are a fabric curtain. We are nothing in the middle. It's pathetic and I'm tired of it or guys that could win the ball back. So a combination of those two. And that's why I totally get Hoiberg. He makes a lot of sense to me. Even Decore would be fine if you can get him cheap. I don't want to spend too much money on on older guys. I would like to continue to play young players, but I, you know, at this point, it's almost to the extent where 
buying a guy that you know is more of a sure thing might be the right way to go there. But we need industry. We need strength. We need retention. We need possession. We need guys that can control a freaking midfield because I am so tired of literally every single team we play. We just get destroyed in the midfield, even as starters. Like, honestly, I don't want if if JPG comes back and is fantastic. I don't want him and Andre in the midfield. I, I don't think that's good enough. I flat out do not think it's good enough. Period. And I wouldn't count, frankly, on JPG being able to just walk into our midfield. So I think the idea to just get one guy, I think is a bad idea. I think it's risky. If you could spend anywhere, I would spend two central midfield guys and right back. That's just my take. So um, that was kind of a wrap. All right. So are we ready to move into the wide midfield areas or anything else we want to revisit? Wide midfield. Let's do it. Ready. All right. Let's start out with. My seven-year-old daughter's favorite player because they are of similar size. Um, <laughs> Bernard. Uh, it's true. I got her a jersey. She's got Bernard on it. It's pretty cute. 27 years old. Signed through 21-22. 6.2 million per year. He's our highest paid player, which he was on a free. So whatever. Let's start with someone else this time. James. Move. More. Sell. Loan. Keep. Build. For me, it's it's more with his wages. I don't know. There's definitely be suitors for him throughout throughout all of Europe. His salary is the big thing. I think after the restart, he was just downright poor. Um, it was a uh, what happened. Oh, I mean, sorry, like, I have you have you ever seen a guy just? I mean, he he did have our most shot created actions. There's some creativity there, and people kind of knocked on him for that uh, for a while. But like, how can someone go from being at least technically sound to like he couldn't even control a ball after the break? What the heck was that? It was so bad, like out of nowhere. He, he, you know, we, we've seen glimpses of his capability. Like, I just think he gets bodied in the, in the Premier League. He's too small yeah. and the dribbling skills that you think would, would set him apart. You know, like Raheem Sterling's not a big guy and he can still exceed, but yeah, just, he's just not quite there. But I do think we, again, we can't sell everyone. He's a player I'd probably keep around. I still think he has opportunity to improve. I think him and Luca Dean have shown glimpses of being a solid partnership, but honestly, I prefer to have Alex Awobi out wide in that area. I guess I'm coming in with a hot take because I think we should sell him in general. I think he's been here a couple years. His output is not good. I mean, his, his, so I think we said that his chances created in open play is pretty good, which is nice. Don't get me wrong. We need it. Yep. But for years, we've needed more goals from midfield. Legitimately, it's been years. And we're not getting it. Nobody on our roster on our, is giving us goals from midfield. Not one player. And I'm going to be honest. If you're making $6.2 million per year, you've played two years straight with us, right? In different systems, but two years. And you're now 27. In my opinion, it's time to go. And it's time to sign someone else for a whole lot cheaper with a higher ceiling that's going to give us more than legitimately two or three goals from the left-hand side a year. That, that, and, and in my opinion, it's really as simple as that. I go back and forth on this one. Same thing. I, I can see both of your angles. He just loses the ball too much. He's too easy to tackle. Uh, he does play hard on defense. He actually gets in front of passes every now and then. He can dribble a little bit. He is somewhat creative. I'm going to say that casually, but I just, if you get an offer for him, you, you got to sell him. I recognize that we're running out of numbers here, but even if if we play narrow and we play with a 10, we got plenty of people to play that position. Um, he's on 120, you know, like we can do better. I'd sell him. I absolutely sell him. I'm with you, Alex. I'm with you. Sell, so, uh, especially if it allows us to get a true right-sided player, which we don't have. So that brings us to Alex Awobi. 
homegrown player, age 24, signed through 23-24 at only 2.6 million per year, despite his luxurious lifestyle. Um, so <laughs> we're not going well. So the one thing we I will say, there. and and I'm going to start because I am like the poster child of defending Alex Awobi. I recognize we need more, so I just put him in more. Uh, I'm so tired of talking about him, but he actually played well first when he was in a ten. I I actually thought he looked okay at right wing. I did, and, and I kind of like this idea. Strangely, if we're going to play the way Carlo wanted us to, him serving the ball from the right side to two right-footed strikers. I kind of like that idea. And if you're going to push Dean up higher and push a left-sided player like Gordon who can get into the box to score, I, I don't know. But no, absolutely we don't move him. I mean, the talks of selling him is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, look at his open play creation numbers. We just went through a whole exercise where we talked about guys. He can actually receive a ball in the tacking zone and create and dribble at people. I mean, so the fall off there from last year is inexcusable. That's on Everton to me. That is not on Alex Awobi. I mean, in what world would someone drop from 4.2 dribbling attempts to like two? That doesn't make any sense. That's completely out of characteristic. And, and I mean, he was creating a full shot per game per 90 more for his teammates than he is this year. I, I just, we need more out of him. It'd be interesting to see if Carlos switches to play a 10. Um, James. Yeah. For me, a player we really need to keep and a player that really we need to give a more prominent role in the squad because I do think, like you said, Ryan, he's, he's a victim of just how mediocre we've been around him. Like when he has the ball, he does look to create things. He has the capability. He's pretty darn quick, despite what many people will tell you. And for me, it's just a player we can't afford to lose. We just brought him in. I don't think we've seen him near his best. He needs to be given, given responsibility. And I think I, I wouldn't hate him on the right side. I still think I'd prefer him on the left to Bernard. Um, and I think that he's a player that can be a focal point in our squad going forward, to be honest. I don't understand it, the bad rap he gets. He's hated so much, but I don't, I don't think much of it is warranted. It, it's a no-brainer to keep him. In my opinion, he was largely victim of circumstance, or let me <laughs> largely a victim of position based on this year alone and, and coming in the summer. He's had multiple managers, multiple An positions. Injury. None of them is preferred. Right. His injury, too. Um, I think his wages are pretty fair, especially yeah, yeah. Uh, based on it, you know, ba based on the lifestyle. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, that, very fair that. wages in general, especially. And then you look at it and you're like, he still has a decent ceiling. Like, we're not looking at a, a finished product of Alex Iwobi. It feels like he's been around forever, but he's 24. So, it, you know, keep him. It's a no brainer. Don't come at USA Toffee Pod, the American Toffee Podcast, and talk some disrespect about Alex Iwobi because it's going to be shot down, right? Yeah. Am I the, who's the enforcer in this group? Is it me? I'm too old for that, aren't I? I don't this know, Ryan. I think you're think a muscle. Here. You think this so? Is, no, no. We're, we're, we're an organism. <laughs> we're an organism. <laughs> I like that. I, I like that. We're like a hive mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know which one you killed to like kill the whole beast, though. So that, that, will, be, that will be another episode. <laughs> Um, Anthony Gordon. This is hard to, to categorize someone on left or right, too. I, I get that. Because he actually looked pretty good on the right, believe it or not, the other day. All right. 19. Signed through 23, 24, 75, 70, 780K per, you know, he's not on much. He's got to improve some things. Let's not count him as the savior yet, but we got to keep this guy, right? Great cross board. Totally. Looked amazing. Looked, looked one of our most dangerous players in, in the restart. Looks hungry. Again, young, a lot of room to develop, but I think his ceiling might be the highest out of any of the three we've talked about on the left-hand side. 
I mean, th- this is a guy on 780K per year that can replace Bernard's two goals almost immediately. I mean, based, <laughs> right? Like, based on his trajectory on Project Restart, that has to be taken with a grain of salt. But I mean, this is a guy that you can see can definitely play a role off the bench throughout the next season. I think the most important thing is just get him game time. And based on what we saw and based on how bad our wing, our our wide players are in the squad across the board, he very well might get plenty of minutes at Everton next season if we were to keep if we were to keep him and not loan him. I mean, not if we were to if we were to keep him as opposed to selling him. Yeah, I, I don't see any needs on the left side either overall. He can fly, too. Gordon can really fly. See, it seems to me, I mean, if all we kept was a Wobie and Gordon, we're fine on the left side, I think. So let, let's move to the right side. Again, it's hard to characterize people. We really only have one right-sided player, Theo Walcott, another English homegrown, age 31, last contract here at $5.2 million per year. I say sell. I'll get into it why in a sec. Uh, Alex, let's start with you. So I, I seemed like a Walcott fanboy, I think, over the last couple months, just because I was like, look at how bad we're missing Theo Walcott on the right hand side. But it doesn't mean that I think he should be here. Um, did you say that? As you said, <laughs> did I say what? Did you say that we, like, we, need, we need more Walcott? Like, like when, he, when he was in a Blue Oyster Cult song? Well, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> to be fair, I think he, he just he offered a little bit more expansiveness on the right hand side compared to what we were getting specifically where we were trying to play. Um, Bernard in the starting lineup in general. But I, I don't think we should keep Theo Walcott. It's pretty clear. Sell him. Same situation as Bernard. We can replace his very few goals um, or assists per season with someone younger, far less expensive. I'm going to go with a hot take. I'm going to say we keep Theo Walcott, but we bring in a player to can start on the right-hand side week in, week out. Talk about the left-hand side. We have options. Right-hand side, very thin. We saw it when Theo was out. We He was our only true right-hand side player. So I just think for the sake of depth, we need to keep him, hopefully not to play very often, maybe come on as a sub. I still think his his pace can be useful at times. But at the same time, he's just he's not we know he's not good enough, but just a player I don't think we can afford to lose. We can't sell everyone. So I think just by process of elimination, you look at the depth we have on the right hand side. Not very much. He has to stay. Do you extend him? No, I don't extend him. I, I keep him. It's his last contract year. I don't yeah. know. I, I think he's down. a player. I mean, a lot of people think you should. I mean, you know, I thought we were part of the hive mind, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna deviate from the hive mind. I'm taking a rebellious stance here. I, I, you know I think... we don't accept that. We don't allow that, right? That's not <laughs> no, no, here. that's good. Go ahead. Oh, all, right, okay. all right. Go ahead. That's no. my take. That's my take. I just all don't right. think I, we, we can't sell 44 midfielders. We can't, we can't sell everyone. I think you, you may have to maybe give him a one-year extension even then to to make sure you can recoup some value and not let him leave on a on a free. I don't think he's good enough, but I do think we need some sort of true right-handed side player and unless we bring two in this window, which I don't think is going to happen, I think he just stays just just by the nature of the lack of depth. So, um I know you don't want to sell everyone, but when was the last time you watched a replay of the Bournemouth match? Just per chance, no. It's been been a while. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I say sell everyone. <laughs> no, uh, I no. I get I get the sentiment. I get it. It's the last contract year. To me, that's five point two million down the drain uh, that could be used to improve the squad downstream. I just don't think you can do that. I, I totally get your point, though. Yes, we have no one on the right. Who's to say we're even going to play with wingers? Uh, my issue with Walcott is his performance itself. Like, yes, it seems as though 
he contributes and he gets himself in dangerous areas and he does get in the box a little bit. But my God, he is a possession killer. I don't think I realized how bad it was until I looked at the numbers. He cannot pass the ball. He can't keep it. You give any pressure whatsoever. It's gone. Yes, he can run. Yes, he can get into the box. But I just I don't know. I, I just think you can get a cheap player that can fly. I, I, I know that's really trivializing. He's better than that. Um, I actually liked what I thought uh, I saw on Gordon in terms of just flying on the right side. I mean, if it's a choice to get him in the game or not, um, I would even keep, believe it or not, if I was stuck keeping Bernard for a year and selling Theo, I would just because I think Bernard, you can sell that next year with the same thing. That's just me. I, I just, I, I just, he can't pass the ball. It drives me. I really struggle sometimes to watch him play because I love the fact that he every now and then gets it back behind someone. Every now and then he throws kind of a blind cross that comes off, but like my mind is fooling me. I'm telling you, I'm watching this, but I know better. So this is the analytic side of me is coming in and saying, no, he kills us. Um, but let's be honest. We need then a, a right sided player for sure. I think if you went in with Bernard, a Gordon, and then got a true right sider, I, I think we'd be okay. I do. Okay, so uh, moving on to attacking central midfield. I only do this because I don't see Gilfie playing any other position. I guess he could play left. Gilfie Thor Sigurdsson. Homegrown, I might add. Age 30, signed through 21-22. I bring up the homegrown because maybe an English team would be interested. 5.2 million per year. Look, I, I love the guy. I love his skill. I think he's done a lot with his limited athleticism. And if we had athleticism and ball control over the park, I'd say keep him, but sell. I think he's done. Uh, he's a statue. Uh, you cannot receive a ball. He, he, even when he moves into space, he's not athletic enough to get a pass. It has to be right on his feet. Uh, we have people that can take set pieces. He's not a good defender. I don't blame him for being forced to play center mid. So I'm not going to hold it against him that he didn't score. I'm glad, I'm glad that he's tactically aware and Carlo has praised him for that, but he's easily powered in midfield. He's not as good as a 10 and Wobie. He's not that great from open play. Great crosser. Doesn't matter. No, get him on. We don't need another central mid either. We attacking central mid. We got a Wobi. Bernard's never really played there except for this year, but he could play there if we keep him. No, gone. Sell and uh, move on. No need. Alex, sell. Retain any sort of value we can for him by selling him as fast as possible. Get the wages off the books and give Wobi the minutes that you would have given Sigurdsson in an attacking role. Period. Yeah, it doesn't fit the mold, the future trajectory of the club. You could argue he never really fit in at Everton all that well. He's a player who would thrive in a 4-2-3-1, doesn't seem to be the direction we're going. Just a lot. Again, he had a huge drop off this season. He gets exposed defensively. He can't run the way he used to. Just a player who's who's probably been maybe one of the most hated in the squad this season. I think it's time for him to go. And I do think there are clubs that would be interested in him for what he offers, but what he offers is not of particular use to us anymore. So sell for Gilfie and a player we could definitely get, get some wages off the books and get a decent fee for. Yeah. And that way we also don't have to deal with every announcer saying they need to get more out of Gilfie Sigurdsson because they don't know any other. Oh my God. Oh, it's the worst. Um, all right. So center attacking forward, um, center forward here, guys. Uh, I think these will be easy answers, but. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, homegrown, 23, signed through 25-26, 4.1 million per year in his new deal, I believe. Keep, he's getting better. Hold-up play was decent. Uh, finishing was okay. Look, he, he's not a great dribbler with the ball. He needs to pass better. Sometimes he makes bad touches. His defensive metrics were actually a little down, but 
I think Keen's going to push him too. And uh, he has a use for our team no matter what. You got to keep him. I can't imagine I'm going to get an argument. James? Yeah, keep his. He's still on an upward trajectory, which is more than I can say for a lot of the players in the squad. He gets better every year. He still hasn't hit his ceiling, I don't think, although there are certain factions of uh, our listeners who disagree with that. But I do think, you know, the size he offers, the hold up play, he's a different profile than both Keen and Richarlison, who we'll touch on in a second. So I think we keep him, continue to develop him in down the line. Maybe we can we can do a little bit better than him. But he finally showed some some awareness of his positioning and an an ability to finish, though it's not quite that consistent. He needs to get better with the ball at his feet. But I think that's an area he's going to work on. He's an elite aerial player. So keep strongly keep for for DCL. Strongly keep as well, period. I mean, he offers a lot more than the other strikers that we have in terms of different t- sort of play, specifically aerial and hold-up play. So we're not going to be able... I don't think that we would be able to uh, replace his goal tally this season. Like, if we were to sell him, I don't think we would be able to replace it very confidently, especially with our other needs. So keep him, continue to improve every year, like you said, James, and hopefully we continue to see... Um, or hopefully in the future, we can see a 20-goal season for him. Shout out to Ethan Zander, who uh, James referred to. Thank you for your hot take, who had him sold. <laughs> I believe that. He also created a new uh, position here. Not just move, sell, keep, more. He had indifferent, uh, which <laughs> some of these guys, I feel that way too. All right, Richarlison. Well, hold up, uh, hold up, Ethan. Ethan is also a gangster. I just scrolled. This is random. This is a random <laughs> plug, but I just scrolled through Twitter before we started recording. And for some reason, I clicked on uh, Ethan's bio, which, by the way, Ethan or Ethan's Twitter is the Penny Blue and on the Discord as well. And in his bio, he's a gangster because he said, follow USA Toffee Pod and join the Discord. We tell you every day. Now, Ethan's telling you. So, Ethan, shout out to you, even though uh, you want to sell Dominic Calvert-Lewin or oh, you're indifferent. Yeah. Hey, I like the dialogue in the Discord. It's great. And Ethan's a big part of it. But man, that was a hot take. Boy, some people hammered him for that. Uh, good stuff. Ethan needs to post now a picture of him with like fancy bags and a Rolls Royce getting onto a plane if he really wants the hire of that. <laughs> That's it. There it is. All right. Richarlison. He's Brazilian. He only costs 50 million. Let's just, we, if anyone says we don't want to keep him up, just, I'm not listening to you. All right. Moise Keen, age 20, signed through 23, 24. 2.8 million per year. I could talk all day about this guy. Keep, I want to see more, but I think we can build around this guy. I still think he's great. And you saw in the last match what happened when we played the right way. Look, we don't always have to play hoofball to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. If we get some better midfielders that can play the ball in the back, if we can get those wings forward, the right and left backs more involved and more balanced, I think his finishing was an anomaly. I think he is super talented. I think he is poised for a good year. I'm very happy that he had a good game, but you can see what he can do. He's the one guy that can take people on. He can create his own shot. I want him to play more. Maybe we need to use him and Dom with a little more balance or maybe use Richarlison over to the right. Gentlemen, I, I think he's in for a big year coming up. I know it's been a tough transition, but Alex, let's start with you. Easily keep for all the points you mentioned and i'd also like to throw it out and say that you know if we were to change systems he very much can play in in an attacking role on the left hand side as well and so if we were let's say if we're talking about a 4-3-3 for example um he offers us some flexibility and personnel on the left hand side i think too especially if he starts to to progress more which i think we all believe he can and so with that right no exactly exactly he can score a couple goals Marco said he played on the right, which is wrong. He never played on the right. I couldn't Correct. believe when he, he said that. I was, I, 
right. I lost my mind. I'm like, why are you playing him on the right side of fourth? Oh, he's played there before. No, he hasn't. What are you talking about? Right. Man? So, so I think, I think that also just strengthens our left-hand side a little bit, depending on the system we're playing. And really does highlight the fact that we could go big on the right, right, uh, right winger, right, right midfielder, right forward. He's got to play though. You're right. I mean, he could get us more goals. I mean, or Richarlison, throw him back there and put Richie on the left. You know, like I totally agree. We need more goals. James, Moise Keen. I really like the prospects of Moise Keen. I think he can be a world-class player. I think a lot of the, you know, scouts and, and just the teams that were lining up, you know, when, when we signed him last summer, it was viewed as a coup because there were so many high profile teams that were in for him. I think this, I think people in the fan base take the fact that he wasn't able to make his way into the team very often this season as like an indictment of his ceiling or his overall ability. I just think it was an adjustment period. I do think in the glimpses that we've seen, he has an ability to create. He's aggressive. You talk about, we mentioned it earlier, a player who actually looks to create shots off the dribble, which is something we don't get from a lot of other players in our squad. He's only 20 years old, only 20 years old, only 20 years old. Both Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin are 23. Think of what Moise Keane with three years of more development could be. And I think that just in itself is is a statement that this is a player we need to retain. And I think a player who we probably will eventually have to sell. And I think we'll be able to get a very, very good fee for him. Way more than we paid. I, I cannot. I literally had people a, a month ago on Twitter saying, could we even move this guy? We'd have to send him out on loan. We probably couldn't even recoup half of his fee. Are you mad? I mean, I, I, people don't just don't understand what a prodigy this kid was. Uh, but I was happy to see at least see some of it against Bournemouth. Boy, and that, you know, you start to look at some of these names, Calvert Lewin, Richarlison, Keane. Well, if we could get a Wobie going and have a decent midfield and get the ball more in the attacking third, these guys can create. They can score. Um, last but not least to wrap it up for the day, Jake Tosin. Age 29, signed for two more years, 3.2 million per year. Now, the issue with Jenk is he, he's still hurt. Um, but I think by the end of the window, he, he will be healthy. So, um, I wasn't sure about that at first, but I mean, for me, you got to sell him. I, I think he's actually a decent player. I do. I think he can finish. Uh, he's not really a target guy. He never really played that before. So people are a little bit, I think, confused when they describe him at that. Crystal Palace was going to exercise the option. We thought for 20 mil, I don't think we're going to get that much for him. He is marketable, though. He's very popular um, in Turkey, so I could totally see him being a fit in Germany for that reason, too, because they're big Turkish population. Or going back to Turkey, I mean, I would sell him in a heartbeat, and I don't think we then have an additional need at center four, despite what Alan Shearer says, because I think Gordon can play up there, too, and I think we've got enough, and maybe Ellis Sims could even start to bang him in the U23 and put some pressure. So I say sell him, and no further needs at center forward. That's my opinion, James. Agreed. Cenk Tosin's an obvious sell. I mean, a player of his age coming off the injury. Is it, was it his Achilles or ACL? I want to say it was his ACL. Regardless, a serious injury. Um, we could get some, some resale value for him. He's clearly not really worked out here, but to your point, Ryan, he will have suitors. He's a desirable player, marketability, and he just doesn't fit. And, and are you going to play Cenk Tosin ever over the three young developing players that we have? At center forward, I don't think so. Get some money in for him. You know, use the funds elsewhere in the squad. Hundred percent ACL, uh, and he did have surgery. But by all accounts, it what you know it wasn't when they went in there as as bad as maybe they thought. And, and we it, saw him as as an anecdote. Alex and I were at Finch Farm when he came back from like just I that don't was know, before the news surgery. broke. Yeah, we saw him on crutches right. before the news broke, and I think we found out through whoever like the night before. 
Talk about bad luck. I mean, this club, are you kidding me? You know, I, we've got to get through it eventually. But I mean, we had him sold for 20 mil. What a difference would that have made this window? Uh, Alex, take on Jenk. Yep. Sell him in terms of needs up top. Honestly, up top is a position in which not this window, but I think I could see us signing an expense. Or I mean, excuse me, an ex- not expensive an experienced target forward. A guy that can just I mean, obviously, we have that in big dunk for coaching purposes. But I think, you know, when you see like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he's scoring in spurts, right? Richarlison tends to do the same thing, although he's more consistent. Moyes Keen, we haven't seen a lot of in terms of scoring uh, physically. But Cenk Tosin's not that guy. In terms of the squad itself and all the, the really important additions that we've talked about that we need this window, I don't think we need it. But I think that would be a nice luxury to have, especially if you found someone if you found someone pretty cheap. But currently, I think, no, no, we don't have any more needs and sell him. Well, I think that is, uh, you know, this is an atypical episode for us. I know we got through a lot, but I felt like we got to get through the squad assessment before we start dealing and talking about transfer stuff. So um, I certainly appreciate everyone's time. So looking back on it, though, I mean, it looks like uh, we went through all the numbers, the squad assessment. I mean, I think we've we kind of got our needs there and we had some disagreements. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think the intent then is to move on. And as as we do further episodes, we can kind of revisit this uh, to our needs and talk about things within context. Yeah, I mean, that's I'll probably end up doing uh, doing an article based on all the research and the data that I did uh, and certainly some of the refinement, and the questions that we asked to try and capture this. And we'll try and make some of this information consumable out there as well for the listeners. Yes, and we will yeah. we will spread it on our accounts as well for sure. And Ryan, thanks uh, thanks a ton for putting together such an exhaustive um, research packet for us to discuss today. I know I have a problem, but um, I'm here. <laughs> it was good stuff. No, very thorough. If you're still listening, appreciate your time. Hopefully, you found this helpful, insightful. Did you agree? Disagree? Let us know on social media. Join our Discord. All of that good stuff. We'll be with you guys soon. This was the first part, obviously, the squad analysis. We've identified the needs. We'll next be looking at potential targets to fill those needs. So keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, thanks for listening. And until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.